It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. What in the world is happening on Wall Street? Economic indicators. Who knows where this is going to end up? To understand the economy, you have to understand human nature. How are you doing there? It is David. It's the podcast. You know the deal. We're trying to make economics a little bit more comprehensible, a little bit more relevant, and ultimately a little bit more meaningful to all of our lives. I hope you had a good week. And your man's here. I'm trying to get rid of him for years, but he's <laughs> hanging out like a bad penny. How are you, Head? I'm very good. It was a funny old week. Like, you know that there's an election kicking off when you see all these placards up on every lamppost. And it, like every day, there's more and more. It's like a totem pole going all Have the way. you looked up. at the window here? Oh, no. There was Leo with his sort of, ooh, I'm a nice guy smile. And then the Fina Fallers came in on the lamppost outside. And then Richie Boy Barrett, the people before profit came in. And they're all jostling for position yeah. on the lamppost. It's mad, isn't it? I, I was thinking about these placards. And I was thinking, number one, are they effective do they do they work? And I, I keep seeing these faces popping up and names popping up and I'm going, who are they? Where have they been all over the last four years? And what have they done? And then I'm thinking, hang on a second. How environmentally friendly are they? The cardboard they use is not recyclable. So the cost and the, um, and the environmental impact of those is, I would say, pretty shocking. What do you, do you know think? what I think it is? I don't think they're very effective, right? I don't mm. think me seeing Leo Varadkar's head looking out at me when I'm walking out of the house is going to change my worldview. Michal Martin, the same. They all talk about slogans. Apparently, the last time out, Fine Gael had a slogan called Keep the Recovery Going. And you can imagine if you are one of those marketing fellas and yeah. you're sitting inside and you thought, what's our slogan going to keep the recovery? Recovery going sounds good. But then, of course, the soft underbelly of that sort of slogan is, whose recovery is it? Yeah, exactly. Do you think about it? Exactly, exactly. So I don't even know what Fine Gael's slogan is this time. Mm. I know Fina Falls is, I think, a better Ireland for all or an Ireland for all. And the reason I think... What the fuck does that mean? Uh, nothing. <laughs> and uh, the lads around here, the people before profit is people before profit which again means nothing. Yeah. yeah it actually yeah, yeah. doesn't mean anything. So I'm kind of with you. Apparently, we are one of the very few countries 
that allows this sort of carry on. But I don't remember seeing many of those in well, London. You, when when you and I lived in London, the UK does not involve itself in this sort of carry on. And maybe it is the fact that every single constituency here is fought tooth and nail down to the wire because, as we've talked about, the pure system. Yeah. Or maybe it's just a legacy of the past. And maybe it's a really good example about how humans and companies and countries don't change even when the ideas and the way about going things doesn't make any sense. Yeah. So maybe it's actually a sense of our inability as human beings to actually change the way we behave and change our minds, despite the fact, because I think you're right, I think if anybody did a realistic cost-benefit analysis of yeah. does this actually work, I'm not sure how you would gauge it. My, I'm with you. I just think. I'd love to know how much it costs as well, because it's, I'd, you know. I'd say it's the major cost for them. It has huge. to be the major cost for them. Huge, I'd you know, say. But the thing is, we're like, we've got a three-week election, which is kind of good. Yeah. Really, really quick. And thankfully, I will not be here for most of it. <laughs> so you've got to... Well, I'll tell you where they should be spending that money. They should be spending the money on a decent photographer. Because as you just said, Leo Varadkar, he looks like some sort of cheeky schoolboy. And you're thinking, is that guy running the country? Well, it's, yeah. like, it's like the great... There was a great moment in Irish economic history, this idea of that guy running the country, when during the crash about two or three weeks into the meltdown in mid-September 2008. Mm. Primetime had a program about the end, what was going to happen. And I remember being on it. Yeah. And there was like loads of people on it, four or five people on it. But it was really interesting. The regulator, for the first time ever, came out on Irish TV. Right. And he performed appallingly and said... Don't worry, the Irish banks are fully capitalised. And I could sense even the RTE studio, a huge sucking sound from the audience going, yeah. is that the fucker who controls the money? Because if it is, I don't believe them, right? So I think that, uh, I think you're right. My sense is that Irish elections are an echo chamber of what has happened in the past. Yeah, They're not very sophisticated in terms of how the parties deliver them. But as I was saying last week, as we were saying last week, the end result is quite sophisticated. Yeah, yeah, it's no, quite no, and I get that. And it's quite yeah, subtle yeah. And, and all the thing. But I get you. Look, deal with it. It's the next, it's I know. The next three weeks. Come here. The other thing that I, I, I was thinking about this week as well is that poor fella who was murdered. And, in God, the kid. Yeah. And I was thinking about that. And I just think it was horrific and barbaric. And I was thinking back to the podcast that we did, and I'm, I'm not making yeah. light of it at all, but the podcast we did back in July, I think it was, on legalizing drugs. Look, John, it's really clear that that kid would not be dead if drugs were legal. That podcast we did shows if you make things illegal, three things happen. One, the price goes up. Two, because the price goes up, the profits go up. And three, because the profits go up, the turf wars for the gangs become incredibly yeah. nasty. Yeah. Because each gang wants to own the turf. Yeah. And this young boy, whose name is Keen, this mm. young boy 
it's like everything, John. When we were kids, lots of our friends went off the rails. They hung out with the wrong crowd. They probably dealt some drugs when we were kids, right? Yeah. They made a bollocks of things. And then by the time they got 2021, they started to get their shit together and life was okay. This kid never had a chance. Yeah. So yeah. I'd advise listeners to go back and have a listen to that podcast we did in July. The war on drugs has been an absolute failure. And this kid is another victim of the war on drugs. And as far as I'm concerned, hopefully, and I think the guards will get those guys. Hopefully. They'll charge, they will get them, right? But it should, a moment like this should make us stand back in Ireland and say, what are we doing? Yeah. Cocaine is everywhere. You talk to anybody, a public and taxi driver, people on the street, cocaine is everywhere here. So the war on drugs has not limited the supply of cocaine at all. In actual yeah. fact, there's more cocaine than we've ever had before. It's actually increased the supply and increased the price yeah. and allowed total scrotes and nasty people to be involved in the business. The most, and I'll leave it on this point, when the people, the dealers, are more afraid of legalization than they are of incarceration, we know of a problem. They don't give a shit about going to prison. Yeah. What they're really worried about is, can you imagine legalization which destroys their business? So when you have a situation where the dealers are more afraid of making drugs legal than they are of going to prison, it's very clear what the choice is to me. Yeah. So what you're saying then, Mac, is that if we change... The policy will change behavior. Yes. I think that one of the biggest issues for politics and economics in the 21st century, particularly in Western European, North American societies, is this idea of the politics of behavior. Mm. How do you change people's behavior to make the society a better place? Yeah. How do you get across to people that their individual behavior affects the rest of us. So take, for example, there's a thing in economics, John, called, it's a mangled expression called the paradox of aggregation, right? Mm. But what that actually means is that what is good for the individual is not always good for the community. Right. So, for example, take traffic. Yeah. We live in Dublin. Dublin is a city that shouldn't be congested that should not have a traffic problem because our population is reasonably small yeah. in comparison to bigger cities. Yeah, yeah. And yet Dublin is the sixth most congested city in the Northern European, American, yeah. European world. Who's the, who would be the... The, wor the worst is Moscow. And, and I, know, I don't know well, but I've been there a good few times. Yeah. Then you have St. Petersburg, you have Kiev, you have Bucharest. You have these big Eastern yeah. European cities which amazingly in Moscow, because the metro system is fantastic. Yeah, that's what I thought. But, and it's well worth it. If, if, if anybody's listening has a chance to go to Moscow, there's an amazing tour, which is the Moscow Metro Tour. Google it. It's so worth it. These are with all the, the old Soviets. They are amazing. Yeah. They're amazing. So, amazing. so, of course, Stalin did many bad things. But one of the good things he did was he built a lovely metro. Yeah. Anyway. But again, 
in Central Europe, particularly in Eastern Europe, it's a very flashy culture. So your wheels, your outward display of wealth is a big, big deal. Mm. So consequently, Russian oligarchs and Russian rich people would much prefer to sit in a blacked out SUV than go in the Moscow with the locals. Listen to a podcast like this. Yeah, absolutely, John. I mean, I'm sure our, actually, in fact, our Moscow audience is apparently quite okay. So the idea, the idea is that what is good for the individual is not always good for the collective. Yeah. And the environment is a great example of that. Because in economics, there's a thing called externalities. That's an awful word again. But what it means is things you can't quantify. Yeah. So one of the great examples is the environment. You can't yeah. put a price on the environment. You can't put a price on traffic. Yeah. So every single time that you get into your car and drive in Irish rush hour to work, whether it's not Ireland, it's London, New York, wherever the hell you are, right? Every time you get into the car, you're increasing the cost to everybody else a little bit because traffic is a cost incurred by everybody in traffic. So consequently... In terms of time Time and, and in terms of half... But hugely in terms of pollution, yeah, right? Yeah, And cost. I mean, costs a lot to run a car. Sure. So the paradox of aggregation is this idea that what is good for you is not always good for the collective. But because economics doesn't signal that you are doing something which is destroying the collective... Yeah. Everybody gets into their cars, everybody drives, the cars basically end up bumper to bumper, and you have this massive environmental and I think societal problem called congestion. So the question is then, how do you fix that? Well, like there, I remember being in LA for quite a while and the traffic was horrendous. And there was a pall of pollution just hangs over LA all the time. But they always had essentially a bus lane, which was the pool lane. And the cars flying by and it worked really well. And I could never understand why more people weren't using the, the, the pool lane. It makes huge sense. So let, let, let's think about traffic from an economic perspective. Yeah. So I look at traffic not about the car, but about the road. And the road is the key. So the road is a public property. Right. And the road ridiculously, in all big cities, is not priced. So therefore, if you don't price the road at peak times, everybody's going to use it. What I think is so much more sensible is to do something like the following, to say that this is a property right issue. What happens is, for example, in most issues in society, if you want to buy a big fancy house beside the sea, you pay more for it. So you desire it, you pay more for it. Sure. That's how these houses are rationed. But because there's no congestion charge in this city and in most cities, everybody can use the road at peak times. So it's a free-for-all. So there's no rationing. So consequently, you get massive, massive amounts of traffic. Is that not what car tax is supposed to be paying for? Well, the interesting thing is car tax, I'm going to come on to that in a second. Yeah. Motor tax. In Ireland, we raise close to 1 billion euros a year on motor tax. Wow. I believe, oh, yeah. Wow. Yeah. And I believe this should be ring-fenced to make public transport 
free. I'm going to come on to that in a second. Okay. But the first thing I want to say yeah, is... Yeah, finish your point. Sorry. It strikes me that if you do not pay in order to drive at peak times, if you do not pay a congestion charge, you're going to get massive traffic. The other thing is, John, traffic is very unusual. There's a thing called the iron law of traffic, of congestion. Sounds very Soviet. Well, it's actually an economic paper published in 1962. You mentioned LA. It was around freeways around American cities. Okay. So the Americans couldn't understand that they were building all these roads and they were told to build all these roads to alleviate congestion. But the more roads they built around American cities and into American cities, the more traffic they got. And the slower the average mile per hour at peak time. So they couldn't understand, hold on a second, we're building more roads. That clearly is building more capacity. So why are people spending more time, not less time in traffic? And what it transpires is the following. It's called induced demand, induced demand in economics, right? Right which is, it's a, it's, a, it's a basic concept in microeconomics, that the more roads you make available, the more cars people drive. Yeah. So if you want to think about it, it's a wee bit like the difference between liquid and gas. So the traffic is like gas, not liquid. So for example, if you have a... Se- it's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves... Feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a T-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. That amount of liquid going through a pipe and you increase the pipe, and you increase the pressure, the liquid will go faster. Yeah. That's physics, right? Yeah, I I get that. But traffic is more like gas. So if you think what happens when you increase a pipe with gas, the gas slowly fills up to actually fill up the pipe. Yeah. So unlike liquid, which moves swifter through a pipe, gas fills up the pipe. And clearly, traffic is exactly the same. So people buy more cars if you actually build more roads in congested areas. And what happens then in big cities is you build more roads, people buy more cars. There was 120,000 cars bought in Ireland, extra cars, last year. 
Where do people think really? they're going to go? 120,000. Yeah. There's 2 million cars registered in Ireland. 120,000 increase per year. Where do you think they're going to go? They're all going to go into the same roads. Yeah. And what happens is you end up in a car park called Dublin City, Galway City, Limerick City, and Cork City. Yeah. So once you appreciate that's how people behave, you say, how do we change behavior? This is the crucial thing. So go on, tell me how... And the way you change behavior is you make it expensive to drive at peak hours. So you give people the choice. If you want to drive at peak hours, you're going to have to pay. Cities like Stockholm, London, Singapore do this, and they do it extremely well. Yeah. And this reduces the amount of cars at peak hours. But I think we should go a little step further and say, what about public transport? Buses. Mm. Make all public transport free. Make public transport great again. Make public transport great again, but make it free, John. So think about it, right? If you were to make public transport free, and if you were to charge people for driving at peak hours, what you would do is would totally change people's behavior. People would get more public transport, would become much more environmentally friendly. You could also create more, much more cycle lanes. You know, when I look at a proper city, I think if there's three lanes, one lane should be for cars, one lane for buses and one lane for bicycles. Yeah. That is the way forward. And you think of a city like Dublin, it's totally flat. It's perfect for cycling, right? So you think, how would you do that? People say, oh my God, you couldn't make public transport free. It'd be too expensive. And you look at the numbers. Last year, two years ago, Shane Ross, when he was Minister for Transport, said that free public transport in Ireland would cost 600 million euros. Sounds like a lot of money. It is. Then you look, how much money do we raise in motor tax every year? We raise close to a billion. So you could easily cover, if you were to direct the tax, to Mm. target the tax, you say, okay, we will isolate and ring fence motor tax. This is before you charge for the roads at peak time. And what you do is you see that there's a billion euros there. A billion euros would more than cover the 600 million euros that it would cost to make public transport free. And you'd have 300 million euros or 400 million euros to build bicycle lanes everywhere. So my idea, John, is that if we want to live in a civilized city where we can get around the place, where we're not totally clogged up, where people can cycle with dignity and safety, because Cyclists are getting killed oh, all the time in this. Huge right? thing. Yeah. We need to introduce one is congestion charges, which work everywhere, and two is free public transport, where we have the money from a road tax to implement this. I just want to pick you up, and I don't want to pick holes in this because I generally love this idea because I do think we need to be getting out of our cars and cycling and using public transport and all the rest, but. One thing that bothers me slightly is that it seems to be almost like a knee-jerk reaction where you want to change behavior. So you, you know, hit them with a tax, hit them with, with more expenses. you got to remember that petrol prices are huge here and there's a huge amount of tax already on it. 
we're already paying for motor tax and yeah. insurance here yeah, yeah, is yeah. enormous. So it's yet another thing. So I, I, I understand what you're saying, but another tax, I think, might go okay. down so well. well. Well, no, it won't go down well. I mean, look at the countries, the cities that have introduced free public transport. So Tallinn in Estonia has done this. Yeah. It's created a massive shift to has public transport. Massive, massive shift, right? Civilized countries are defined by a variety of things, one of which is how they travel. Yeah. A Scandinavian friend of mine said to me, he said a great indication of civilized countries, and he's a Swedish guy, okay? He said it's whether or not you take public transport with your wife or husband to go out for a night on the town. <laughs> and it's a very interesting yeah. point. He said in Scandinavia, we, we take public transport. Yeah. We get drunk, we go out, there's a bit of a chat on the way home, and I think that public transport is a sign of deep urban civilization. Yeah. Well, I, I and I also think that streets need to be reclaimed from cars. I also think in this city, we should move towards what they're doing in Oslo and ban all cars from the center city. Yeah. When I am in town and I'm looking at all those on street parking. Can you imagine if all that was given over to cycle lanes, right? People can cycle safely, environmentally friendly, health-wise it's great for us. What are we doing if you design a city for cars, you get cars. If you design a city for people, Absolutely. you get people. Yeah. So think about this election. We're sitting here in Dublin, right? This is our city. This is where we live. People listening in Cork and Galway's the worst. Galway's like Galway's horrendous. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, there's a there's a gorgeous small centre in Galway. As far as I'm concerned, and I really will genuflect to Galwegians listening. Galway's like a big roundabout. You come in, it's a roundabout, another roundabout, another roundabout. There is no sense. And what they're going to do is build another ring road create more cars, go back to our gas versus liquid idea. Limerick apparently now is going to unveil their new plan, urban plan, another massive ring road, right? Think about it. If we want urban living, if we want density of populations, if we want our cities to feel like really livable cities, we have to get these chunks of steel, idle chunks of steel. Think about the waste of space that is a car parked nine to five in the center of a Dublin street. It's crazy. Yeah, it is. So you have to change behavior. You have to penalize. So remember, we go back to the fags and the drink driving, right? You penalize drink driving. People didn't stop drink driving because they thought, oh, tomorrow I'm not going to drink drive because they were put in jail and they were penalized. And you increase the price of cigarettes to penalize people. So this is my point, that public policy has to have some sense of direction. If we, in Ireland, want to live in an urban society, and the amazing thing about Ireland is that our urban population is rising dramatically. So, for example, 20 years ago, only 42% of Irish people lived in urban areas, the lowest in Europe. It is now moving towards 60% of Irish people live in urban areas. And we will end up like Belgium, which is 80%. 
That's wow. the way it is. So it's essential to begin at the basic economics that if you make something expensive, people will change their behavior. That, that makes a huge amount of sense to me. And I do remember, and you were in London at the, uh, at the time as well, when they introduced the congestion charge, there was a lot of pushback. Oh, yeah. But then, as you say, people got on with it. I, I do remember doing a lot of, when I was working with World Service, BBC World Service. Was he working the World Service? I've never heard <laughs> that before. But when I do night shifts, I would finish the last program, which is usually the Ukrainian program, at half six, over to Battersea to get across the line before seven o'clock when the congestion charge kicked in. And you could be just before, like 100 yards before the bridge, and you could be... And you'd be busted. And you'd be busted. And so, I don't know, I would imagine, I'd love to look at the stats, I'd love to see how many accidents there were just at like a five to seven. People hurrying across Battersea Bridge. <laughs> that's what I was doing. <laughs> well, the interesting thing is when John and I lived in London, I had a Vespa. Mm. The great thing about Vespas, which you have one now. I have one now. Is nobody cared about them. But I'll give you some statistics about Dublin. Go on. The average Dubliner spends 246 hours a year in traffic. The average Roman spends 254 Parisian 237, Londoner, 227. Now think about Rome, Jesus Paris, Christ. and London. These are massive cities. Yeah, yeah. Massive, millions and millions of people, and yet they spend less time in traffic than the average Dubliner. Now, Dublin City is believed to be the slowest city centre in Europe. Speeds dip to a low of six miles an hour in cars in Dublin city centre at peak traffic. Traffic in Galway, in Cork, in Limerick, everybody knows. So listen to these these statistics, right? So the worst time is Dublin centre city traffic at six kilometres an hour. That is slower than walking. Yeah, it is. So that's what we're (laughs) dealing with. The worst in Europe, okay? Then general peak Times, not in the center city, but general peak times, speeds in Dublin, mm. 18 miles an hour. Off peak is 37 miles an hour. And during free flow, right, when the traffic is yeah. at least, it's 45 miles an hour. So think about it. The roads are capable of having cars going 45 miles an hour. Kilometers an hour, I'd say all those are. are they? Sorry, you're right, they're all kilometers. Yeah, sorry, yeah, let's no, go no, back sorry, again. go on. No, no, so no. let's go back, right? 45 kilometers from Dublin per hour is way out into the sticks. So unless you price the city streets and you say, if you want to drive, you can drive however you like, but it's going to cost you a tenner or 20 quid or 15 quid or a fiver. Yeah. Or something. So you put some doubt in people's heads. And then you're parking on top of that. And we should also eliminate on-street parking gradually. Mm. So all those spaces become cycle lanes. And then you should reclaim the city streets. So where there are cars and where the car is dominant and where the individual in a steel structure is dominant, you create plazas, you create green spaces, you create places to hang out in. Suddenly you can change the city. And in order to do this, you have to change behavior. And to change behavior, 
You have to use economics to do that. And I believe we can do this in Dublin. But the interesting thing is the election, John, the election we're going through, nobody's talking about this. Maybe the Greens at a stretch, but nobody else. Yeah. Yeah, I do think that the, one of the most progressive policies that was introduced in Ireland for transport was the, the bike to work scheme a number of years ago. It's fantastic. You know, and there's more people cycling now, more people into bikes now than ever before. But I have to say, and maybe it's just around Stillorgan and Goatstown and the whole lot, it feels like it's a Range Rover to work scheme or a Range Rover to school scheme because that's all you see. There are enormous problems in Dublin with respect to cycling. The first thing is it is dangerous. Not just the cars, not understanding that the road is not theirs alone. Mm. It's everybody's property. If we want to hit our environmental targets, just talking about environment alone, we need to massively reduce fossil fuel consumption. What is the biggest fossil fuel consumption in a city? Cars. So even if this was about, not about congestion, not about traffic, not about what I was talking about, the paradox of aggregation, what's good for the individual in their big bloody Range Rover Mm. is not good for the collective, the rest of us who have to share the roads, even if it was just about the environment. We need to switch profoundly from the car to the bus, the train, the bicycle. And the only way you can do this is to reward the good environmental behavior and penalize the bad behavior, which is the individual in the car. Now, I understand lots of people listening to the podcast will say, you know, guys, this sounds great, but I don't have public transport close to me. Yeah. So then what I'm saying is vote for the person who says, you know what, I'm going to make your life better and we are going to invest in public transport. That's how you affect change. And ultimately, if we want to change our country, it has to start with us. We are the change. And you can do that in the next couple of weeks by voting for whatever party you feel is going to deliver this. Um, Gents, before we let them go, I feel like we forgot something here. What? What are you talking about? Well, it's going to be the live show. After our successful Vicar Street run, we figured we'd uh, give it another go. So we're delighted to announce that on March 15, we're going to be coming back with a second live show. This one's going to be better. It's going to be more interactive. We've got a few ideas in the can. But March 15, and if you're a Patreon, starting today up until Friday, you have exclusive first right of tickets. Grab the best seats in the house. So from today till Friday, exclusively for Patreons at patreon.com forward slash David McWilliams. Saturday, general public sales. We really look forward to seeing you there. March 15th, it's going to be a great show. We're very excited about it. Fantastic. Thanks, Jim. 